Welcome to the Anchor Daily. We're reading through the Gospel of Mark and reflecting on Jesus, whose death and resurrection paid the penalty for our sins and achieved victory over death. Hey, this is James Fairfield, and I have grown to love the study of end times. I grew up under one school of thought, mainly the left-behind kind of dispensationalist view. But in the last few years, I've been challenged in learning and continue to study this topic, and I'm excited to share about this section in Mark. It's challenged my thinking and understanding of end times, or, or what theologians call eschatology. I'm continually encouraged by the truth that Jesus points us to and talking about what we know of the end of time. If this topic has piqued your interest, I recommend a great little book called Reading Revelation Responsibly by Michael Gormley. In our text, Mark 13, uh, there are a few verses and insights I'd like to point out that will hopefully build encouragement. So this chapter opens up with the disciples talking to Jesus, and there's this incredible building they're looking at in Jerusalem, and they say, verse 2, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And Jesus says to them, Do you see this great building? Do you see these great buildings? There will not be one left here, one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, real quick, this is a basic question, but think through it with me. What stones is he talking about? What building is he talking about? Is he talking about the concrete foundation that our houses are built on? Is he talking about the Columbia Center skyscraper in Seattle? Is he talking about the Sydney, Australia house? Or Sydney Opera House. No, of course he's not talking about any of those. They're looking at the building right in front of them, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, and this is the building Jesus is talking about. The context for the rest of this chapter is set up in these two verses. He is talking to his disciples about events and things that are soon to come to pass. If we look at this chapter and think it's mostly about our future, about 2023 and beyond, we would be taking these verses out of context and probably making them say things that they probably are not saying. And so with that in mind, these verses build hope for our future, warning for our future, and encouragement. But we cannot cherry pick verses out of this chapter and say, look, see, nation will rise against nation. Now we know we are in the days or in the end of days, because America is fighting with someone. It's taking words out of their context. Uh, but the disciples, they kind of freak out a minute. They go, whoa, 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 the temple's coming down. When's that going to happen? It's the question that we all wonder. When is this going to happen? And, and Jesus doesn't answer them right away. He doesn't tell them. Instead, he builds within them character and faith. See, Jesus is far more concerned about the condition of their heart than preparing them for how it's all going to go down. Jesus does not give them a code to crack the future. He gives them a call to faithfulness. But then he does give a couple of little lines through this chapter that give us a good timeline. First thing he addresses, though, is verse 5. See to it that no one leads you astray. Look, a lot is going to happen, and there's going to be those who seek to deceive you. There's going to be wars and natural phenomenons, but don't let that distract you from the mission God has given us. Don't get caught up in sideways energy. The mission of the church hasn't changed. Verses 3 through 18 are don't be alarmed, don't be distracted. Our role is not to get wrapped up in everything that's happening, but to live as citizens, ministers, ambassadors of the kingdom of God. 
Don't be distracted. And then he gives them a warning in verses 9 through 13. He says, persecution is coming. It is to be expected. But look at verse 11. Don't be anxious beforehand about what you're going to say about that hour. But say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Persecution will happen. And yet the encouragement in that is that God will not abandon you, but rather will give you his Holy Spirit and guide you in wisdom. If we take verses from this section and remove them from the context, they often say things that's not really true to what the Bible's saying. Like verse 10, for example, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. That's a wonderful thing. We long for that. We want to see the gospel proclaimed to every person on the planet. We want to see more people know and love the Lord. But some say that once the gospel has gone out to all the nations, then the end of days will happen. I've seen it almost be a misdirection and mismotivation for world, for world missions. Look, we, we do not go as missionaries into our world and into other countries to bring about the end of days. We do that to bring about the kingdom of God. Plus, Paul addresses this in Romans, the end of Romans, Romans 16, 25 and 26 says, according to the revelation of the mystery, that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. The text points us that the revelation of Christ in its biblical form has already gone to all the nations. Paul just said it. So thus far, this chapter has said, don't get distracted. Persecution will come. The spirit will guide you. And then verse 14 through 23, Jesus tells them, be on guard. Life is going to be difficult. And in the destruction of these buildings, it's going to be bad, especially for pregnant women and nursing infants. War is especially painful on the vulnerable. And the imagery used in this chapter can be scary and confusing. It is a very real warning against the schemes of the enemy. And it is a very real assurance in a God who equips, guides, and seals us for Christ. Perhaps, though, one of the most out-of-context verses from this section is Mark 24 and 26. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall away. It's awe-inspiring, incredible imagery. But this is not a sign we're waiting for. It's imagery that was used by the prophet Joel. It's speaking to a prophecy that Joel gave in which Peter actually used. He preached this sermon on the day of Pentecost. Take time to read Acts 2, 14 through 21, which is really just quoting Joel 2, 28 through 32. It's talking about a new covenant, a new way that the people of God will interact with him about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how it will be a complete game, a complete world changer. It is a new structure for relationship with God. This chapter wraps up with great encouragement. Verse 27, we're encouraged that God knows his people, his elect, his children. We can find comfort in the encouragement of that, but also be on guard, stay awake. Don't be distracted 
from the mission God has, the ministry that God has for us. Like what an awful thought that God would give his very spirit to us. He would make us one with him. He would invite us into the church, into his body, and his body would be found sleeping on the job. That his very body would be found not actually living, empowered by the spirit of God. That his body would be found worshiping and following false idols and false prophets. It's a warning against that. Then, like I said at the start, he does give us a little timeline. In verse 30, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all these things have taken place. Well, Pentecost happened, and the Spirit was given, and a new way of relationship was brought into the world through the second covenant. And then in 70 AD, war in Jerusalem broke out, and the temple was destroyed to the degree that not a single stone was left on top of each other. Jesus said this was going to happen. It happened within that generation. But here's what I take away when I read this chapter. I'm left with the awe-inspiring power of God that he calls his people, that he longs for us to be part of his kingdom, and how easy it is to drift from the truth of God. How easy it is to stop living for the kingdom of God and start living for my own kingdom. Let's have this chapter be a message and a reminder that God has good work for us, for his church. Let's not get distracted from that, but rather rely on the spirit that he gives us, the encouragement that he gives us, the love, the kindness, the new covenant that he gives us, and go as live Go and live as those who are truly part of a kingdom that is not of this world, but the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to check out more podcasts just like this, you can go to Bethel.ch and you'll find amazing selections of podcasts and much more. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us with podcasts at Bethel.ch. See you next time.